Next up on the Renaissance Man podcast, we have multi-talented actress Cassandra Freeman, who plays the iconic role of Aunt Viv on the Peacock original drama series, Bel Air. Coming up, I talked to Cassandra about her father's influence in her life, who she considers her top five TV moms, and what Bel Air fans can expect from the season two finale episode next week. Up next, Cassandra Freeman. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Make sure you're sharing this podcast with your friends, co-workers, family members, siblings, your partner. Share it with anyone that you know could use this good old-fashioned soul food, especially for shows like this one. Because this week's theme is reach high. Sometimes we all need reminders about what we're actually capable of. It's totally normal to fear we're not reaching our full potential every single day. But you still need to set your goals high and higher and higher than that. So this is your weekly reminder to reach higher, not only higher than other people expect you to, but higher that you believe you can do. Ask for a bigger salary than what they're offering you at that job interview. Ask that person who everybody, including you, thinks is way out of your league, out on a date. Ask for a meeting with someone you admire and show them your work. Because newsflash, The more you reach, the more you'll be rewarded. The more you believe in yourself, the more others will also believe in you. And someone who knows the importance of believing in her abilities is my next guest. Cassandra Freeman has worked with legends, icons like Uncle Denzel Washington, Spike Lee and Chris Rock taking a chance on her own talent landed her the coveted role of Aunt Bill on Bel Air and she's making her own mark on that iconic character and cementing her place in entertainment history coming up I talked to Cassandra about her childhood in Jacksonville Florida the impact of Spike Lee's film artistry on our culture and beyond, and how she landed the role of Aunt Bill in Bel Air, which she considers a deepening of the Fresh Prince story. Up next, Cassandra Freeman.
my next guest had been, now, and next. She's an actress, comedian, and writer, known for so many co-starring and starring roles, including with Denzel Washington in Inside Man and with Chris Rock in I Think I Love My Wife. Now, she's starring in the throwback classic back mainstream as Aunt Viv on the hit show Bel Air, which got picked up for season one, two, now three. It is my honor to welcome the talented Cassandra Freeman. Yay! Man. Thank you for uh, bringing me on today. It's such an honor. Hello, hello. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Great introduction. I feel like I want to go dancing now. I appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time. And I know you're very busy because you're getting it done in so many different facets. So I have to ask you about your childhood a little bit. You grew up in Florida. So tell me, what was your childhood like as a kid? Uh, yeah, I was born in West Palm Beach. And uh, then my parents divorced. I ended up moving to Jacksonville, Florida, which is sort of uh, uh, South Georgia. And, you know, I, I lived... Uh, you know, I live with my dad and my grandma and I had like a very simple life. I always tell people like my next door neighbor was like a junk collector or something like that. And in his backyard, he had like one of those old barbecue grills and like magnolia trees would like bow down over it. And I would stand on top of that barbecue grill and pretend like the magnolia was like my microphone. And that's where my imagination really grew was in the backyard of his yard because he had everything back there that could be anything for a kid's imagination. That backyard sound like my late great uncle Paramore's backyard because he was like Fred Sanford of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So drill down more on that that dynamic. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I lived in a neighborhood where you know everyone knew your parents. Like you, I, it's like old school living, right? You come home when the lights came on, and I remember I would like make mud pies in my front yard. And in Florida, if you you don't have to dig that long for the seashells to show up. And like I lived on the north side, like the black side of town, we were very far away from the ocean, but there were still seashells in your backyard. And I remember I would make mud pies until the lights would come on, and that's when Star Trek would come on. And I spent a lot of time, me and my dad, watching like Star Trek. That's like a big part of my childhood and him like, you know, recording the Smurfs. And my dad was Jacksonville's first black television news reporter. So I also spent a lot of time traveling around with my dad where they would give him awards for being the first. And he was sort of like Martin Luther King to me. Like he would have these booming speeches and he was like very magnanimous. And his name was Mac Freeman and the ladies love Mac Freeman. And he used to have his own radio show before I was alive called like make love with Mac. And like, he was like such a G like he, and he was like a DJ and he used to be a black Panther. My dad was like such a magnanimous sort of personality. So I really grew up in the shadow of being like Mac Freeman's daughter. And it used to feel like it was like, I was like the princess of something. And I think I, a lot of my personality, I think comes because of him. Wow. That's incredible detail. Thank you for sharing. And you brought up Star Trek. Can you tell me some of the other TV shows and actors that influenced you while you were growing up? Yeah, so Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek, the first generation was Jean-Luc Picard. Honey, I'm a Trekkie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a big one. And you know what else I grew up watching with my dad was um, The Godfather, Honey. 
he used to talk about the Godfather like it was the Bible. And he would quote the Bible and the Godfather probably in the same sentence. Well, well so the Godfather would be like, what happens in this house stays in the house. We never talk about the family without the family around. Um, but then it'll be like, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, do, you know, take care of your parents for as long as you, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then at the same time, you know, I grew up watching 227 and, you know, Facts of Life, like, and of course, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Family Matters, like Martin, like, didn't we all grow up watching? Yes. yes. It's like, but I also, I always tell the story about, but I really remember growing up watching like Spike Lee films, especially Mo Better Blues. And I remember they would play it on TV. I would get so close to the TV screen because Denzel Washington was is was the epitome of like great acting. But I would get so close to the screen because I would try to see him lying and I couldn't see the tell of him lying. And then I'd pretend like I'd be the woman in the scene and I would try to act back to him. And that, that was sort of like my my radar for what authenticity was on screen. It didn't occur to me for a long, long time later, that that would be sort of like the foundation of me becoming an actor much later. And shout to Uncle Denzel, my guy. And I'm glad you got a chance to work with him. What was that experience like? So many people say, if I could work with somebody, it would be him. And you've gotten a chance to do that. So what was that experience like? It was phenomenal. You know, it was the first acting gig of my career straight out of NYU for grad school. And it was him and Spike Lee. And they were just, you know, they were they were everything that I would hope anybody would have on their first film set where they didn't treat me like a kid. They treated me like, you know, I was a part of this world just as much as them. And I remember, you know, even the the eye for detail that Denzel Washington has with his scripts, it's not on accident that he's phenomenal. He owns every part and he makes sure that the role really fits him and whoever he's working with. And I remember we would just sit down and like study the script. And he's like, Cass, we got to make sure the script is for black people. He's like, cause you know, they didn't write this with us in mind. And the same thing with Spike and Spike would never give notes that would derail an actor. It would always be like, do more of that. What else do you think is there? All right. Any other ideas? Let's play like such great collaborators. That's, that's my main memory. Can you um, agree with this? I feel like Spike Lee is so very underrated for what he not only brought to our culture, but to the entire movie industry. It just so happens that he was a Black man. Can you acknowledge the influence of Spike Lee for this industry? Yeah, you know, it's weird. I feel like if you look like me and you, he's not underrated. Like we know, and you know, outside of this country, there's, chapters dedicated to the artistry of Spike Lee, you know, and also Spike Lee and what it means for what he did for storytelling for Brooklyn. You know, if Woody Allen is about Manhattan, then he's definitely for Brooklyn. And so for me and for so many people, I don't think I would have even considered myself an artist if there wasn't a Spike Lee before then. Like Spike Lee made it romantic and cool and complicated to be a Black person. I, you know, we're still at the beginning of storytelling uh, when it comes to telling stories that embody us and our complexities and our challenges. And we can still be the anti-hero and the hero. Like, he's like the beginning of that for me in my life. Um, yeah, but I don't think enough can be said for Spike Lee. Very well said. And you brought up The Fresh Prince. How did the role of Aunt Viv get on your radar 
And what was it like actually getting the call that you landed such a signature park in television culture? Yeah, I remember it. So I did this role just before this, and it was a very complicated role for me. And uh, at the end of that, I remember telling my manager, I was like, that's it. I don't want to do any more sad stories about Black people. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to be crying in the street over my dead Black boy. Like, I'm done with that. And I said, I want to play someone who's like, why can't I play someone who's rich and beautiful? And she dresses great. And, and instead, it's about her dreams and her life. Like, I want to tell those type of stories. And so, yo, we, we really waited around looking for that to come through. But when this role came through, I was like, okay, no, not this one. And I remember my manager called me and he's like, this is literally everything on your list. And I said, yeah, but I ain't going to book um, Viv. Like that's crazy. And also why are we trying to reboot this project? And so it went away for a second. And then finally I saw Morgan Cooper's trailer of his envision of this thing. And then I saw, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. But then I thought it was too late. I thought the trailer that went around, it was done. And my manager came back again. He's like, why have you not put yourself on tape? And I was like, oh, I'll do it, but this is such a waste of time. So when I tell you, I threw myself on tape, like one take wonder, uh, and it went out. Uh, I was lucky enough to talk to Morgan Cooper and I got to see some of his movies and I was so enamored with him and his eye that Morgan Cooper is a genius and there is more to come. Morgan, I mean, Morgan Cooper, I think is very prolific. I think he's like this generation's maybe Spike Lee. Like he, what he has coming, it is so deep and beautiful. Anyway, how did I get the news is that, uh, I know that they said they wanted to do a chemistry test with me and whoever Uncle Phil might be. And I told my people, they're not going to call me up for no chemistry test. I'm getting out of town. So me and my family went to Greece. <laughs> and it was like our first vacation since COVID. And I was like, I'm getting up out of town. I ain't staying over here for like a maybe. And sure enough, while I was in Greece, these people were like, yeah, can we do a quick chemistry test? And I was like, all right, but it's 14 hour difference. I hope it works out for y'all. Listen, these people put this, oh, this, that's my headphone. These people put this thing together. Next thing I know, my manager sends me a text like 3 a.m. in the morning saying, you need to answer your phone. And I answer the phone. It's 3 a.m. Greece time. I don't know what time it was here. And it's my manager and my agent. And my manager couldn't even keep it. And he was like, Cassandra, my manager was so excited. I have the best manager, uh, Anthony Aiello. He's genius. And I was like, really? And listen, since I said yes to this role, my life has been like, I feel like I've been on a roller coaster of just a lot of highs and just so extreme. And I'm just so relieved how much the culture has embraced this version of the show. I like to say it's not a reboot. It's a deepening of The Fresh Prince. Yes, absolutely. And you're going to love this next one. Besides Aunt Viv, because you playing that role and you crushing it. Give me your personal top five television moms. Um, okay, top five. Oh, well, first we have to say Felicia Rashad. Okay. I mean, oh, wow. Auntie. Okay. <laughs> come on, Felicia Rashad is the queen of it. And then that I actually would go to uh Family Matters, the mom on there. Oh my gosh. And I just met her in person recently. This woman has not aged, she looks exactly the same. Okay. Uh, the queen of moms. Then the third, oh, who's the third best mom? I guess everybody hates Chris Tanisha. Like what she did on oh. The epitome of all of that is just brilliance to me. And then I'd have to go to 227. I mean, Marla Gibbs is a G in everything that she's done. And then, oh, who would be the fifth? Oh, oh, 
I mean, I still have to go back to Janet Huber because Janet yeah. Huber and Fresh Prince would always have to be in the top five. You alluded to someone earlier that I'm just going to throw out there. Wheezy Jefferson. Because when you were talking about seeing Black women on television in their glory, you talked about seeing them with money. Like the that that depiction for me definitely was something that was classic as well. It's very true. You know, her and her downstairs neighbors. Uh, uh, what is her name? I can't think of her name right now. But you're so right. The Jeffersons, how they embodied like what it meant to move on up, but to keep who you are while you're moving on up and the complexities of sort of handling upper middle class life and the people yeah. surrounding you. Honey. Yeah, it was a that was that was the show. It was so interesting how political that show was. It was like the upside down world of all in the family. Because you Correct. still got that angry black man instead of the angry white man who didn't like yes. you got angry. Black. It's a beautiful show. Brilliant. See, that was an era of television for me, to me, that was the best. Not only the theme songs, but also the spinoffs. Because I remember yes, yeah. watching uh, All in the Family and knowing that it was a racist theme song and knowing that Archie Bunker was racist, but it was so well done, I still watched it. And watching George and Wheezy's character develop into becoming the Jeffersons. So... What about television for you during that period of time? Because for me, it was the theme songs and the spinoffs and the characters. What, what can you embody from that era that now inspires you now? Well, you know, I tell people the first day before I started work on Aunt Viv, I sat in my trailer and I just wanted to seep in all of that culture. So mm -hmm. I actually watched Diane Carroll her first episode on Dynasty. And she talks about when she came on that first episode and she spoke to Aaron Spelling about developing that character, she said, write a role for a white man and let me do everything else. And I just love the idea of her being like, don't assume you know who this woman can be. And I sat in my chair, of course, I watched Janet Hubert. I also watched um, uh, uh, actually from uh, Good Times. Florida, Florida Evans yes. and her character on there, because I really wanted uh, Viv and just in general, when I think about my childhood and these black women, I mean, it is the beginning of that whole, what it, it was a lot of people trying their best to be expansive outside of the idea of what a strong black woman is. And Florida Evans had so much life in there, the struggle and the love and the laughter and the pain all lived together in that same house. Um, that's what a lot of those women meant to me, but also those women inspired me and more, more than just those women, but those and others really inspired me how I still didn't see, I didn't see like the full expression of what it means to be me. And I feel like that's why we live in this renaissance of black actors and actresses right now, because we all sat at home being like, that's good, but you know what you're missing. And that looks good, but you know what you're missing? Like, we have more. There's more to talk. There's more to see about us. And that's the time we're living in now. We're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of expansive versions of what it means to be African-American. 